0: Welcome to the Closeted Soul podcast.
1: I'm your host, Shelley. This podcast is all about exploring the depths of your soul. We dive deep into spiritual concepts and tools that we can utilize in the physical world to really navigate life. So join me and so many others on this insane journey of self-discovery and let's learn and grow in both a spiritual and physical world together. Welcome, Tia, to the Closeted Soul podcast. So lovely to have you here.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Tia and I met through Soul Teacher, again, that course that I keep yapping on about. (laughs) Another uh, soul sister. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. But before we dive deep into the conversation, Tia, could you introduce yourself to the listeners and just explain a little into what it is you do?
0: okay I'm Tia Tingi and I am the founder of Art of Sacred Living which is a spiritual business that has a coaching element I do transformational coaching I host retreats. I do women's circles, new moon and full moon and really my mission is to work with women and help them remember, their divine feminine selves you know the sacred feminine Mm, that's so powerful I love
1: that and we're going to dive deep into the sacred feminine what that is what it means to be a woman all of those fascinating um, topics that you cover and you teach women which I love so much but before we do because this is the closeted soul podcast I would love to know when did you first come out of the spiritual closet
0: (laughs) I love that question. Um, I was never in the spiritual closet. I, I've been a seeker since I was a, like a tiny little girl. Um, I did grow up in a, a Protestant Christian family, and one of my earliest memories is being in Sunday school and thinking, oh, no, this does not resonate with me. I mean, I'm sure that wasn't the language that I was using at that time, but I was just like, no, this is not real. So I always was just seeking. I I have studied, you know, I think every religion under the sun, including like some far out ones, even Scientology I explored in high school. (laughs) You know, I've tried everything, trying to find like what is what feels true to me. So I guess I always was wondering, like, why am I here what's the meaning of the universe and what is my purpose? So I just was never in the spiritual closet. So
1: when did you find yourself actually exploring this side of spirituality? Because you do have those like mainstream religions or even the ones that are a bit more out there. Uh, But when did you find yourself actually resonating with this type of spirituality? Because it's so funny how, I guess we are categorized under a certain umbrella, right? To an extent. But For me, like when I found this world, it happened so organically. Like I just ended up experiencing the things and then I was like, whoa, what is this? And then, you know, I then I found out that there was this whole community. So it wasn't something that I went searching for. It's something that came to me. So how was it for you?
0: I I agree. I do think it's an organic evolution, right? You're like, you're open and you're exploring And just one thing leads to the next. I mean, I started doing yoga about 25 years ago, and that was, I guess, kind of an introduction to um, meditation and to looking inward. And I've always been pretty out there. Like, oh, like I love magic even. Like I've always believed in magic and that we were like powerful magical beings. But I think for me the biggest explosion of growth was with the birth of my daughter and that was 18 years ago. So I I think I've always been a seeker, but then when my daughter was born, I was, I just felt this deep need to do a lot of personal work. And I think just one thing led to another. I mean, I remember I did hypnotherapy and my hypnotherapist recommended this book called um, what was it called? Living with joy. And it was, channeled and at that time, you know, that eighteen years ago I was like channeling what that what is this, you know? And I was like I was like questioning it really. But I thought, okay, well I'm paying her all this money. I'm gonna read the book. And it was so good. I was like, I don't care for cat told her like. it was great
1: <laughs> I love that no I completely agree like I was the same when I first got introduced to this world I was questioning the entire thing I actually thought I was going crazy because I went from like full-blown atheist to this and I was like whoa like this can't be real <laughs> and then as I went more and more along in the journey I was like wait why is this resonating so much I can't deny this anymore can't deny my experiences so yeah I completely resonate to that and I hear that birth is a massive initiation for some women.
0: I th- Yeah, I mean, it, who knows why? I think it is that, um, you know, in Western culture, we don't really have any um, rites of passage anymore, right? Like, and so I think in, you know, in his ancient times, you would, when you went from like maiden to motherhood, or even from child to, you know, having your first menstrual cycle, there would be some sort of you know, celebration or ceremony, like something that marked that event. We don't have anything like that really now. I do think, you know, like there's those of us trying to bring that back. But so I think like when you have a kid, it's like this, this rite of passage that you go through, whether you have that intention or not, there's just no way like one day it's just you. And the next day there's this other little human that you grew in your body. So, it's crazy. Literally the goosebumps.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Even, um, I love that you said the Western culture doesn't really have anything that kind of initiates women into being a, a woman, right? And a lot of our practices as women and a lot of the things that we used to do in ancient times have been taken away from us or demonized throughout time through patriarchal society. And it's something that I've only actually recently been starting to explore just recently off the top of my head and I know we're going to dive deeper into this topic but I came across Friday the 13th right there was just all these people starting to say Friday the 13th was bad and it was bad luck and it was triggering me but I didn't know why because I was like wait but that's what it's known for you know that's all I've ever known but on a soul level it didn't feel right and it was making me angry and then you know a day after the Friday the 13th came which was a beautiful magical day by the way <laughs> I, I just felt like I was like I, I, I learned that Friday the 13th was a way that women used to correct me if I'm wrong Tia because maybe you can explain this better than I can. It's, isn't
0: it? Well, I would say that, you know, 13 is always been a sacred number. There's 13 full moons in a year. And, but I mean, my understanding of when Friday the 13th became like this, um, like with all of this kind of legend around bad luck and bad things happening was, and I can't remember the exact year, but King Philippe of France had the Knights Templar executed in mass in October on a Friday the 13th. That's lore that I've heard when I was like exploring the Knights Templar. So, yeah, we could research that, I guess, and confirm for sure. But there, even in like Native American cultures, there's this uh, like this idea of 13 grandmothers. So 13 is not a bad number. And, you know, I think we just choose to rewrite that. Well, that's
1: exactly right. So that's that's the work that you do. So you really like rewrite those things that have been handed down to us that aren't true, right? And you kind of bring it back to ancient times, ancient practices, and you really help women to connect to their their um, feminine lineage. So I want to explore that deeper. How do we dive into that? How did you
0: even get into this work? Right? How did I? I'm try, I was trying to think, how did I get into this work? Well, interestingly um, – I'm going to just get like totally woo-woo right now, but I I always, like the word God for me is like somebody putting their nails on a chalkboard. It always has been. And I do now believe it's because I've had many lives where I was persecuted. I was probably burned at the stake. I think there's just so much charge around that word for me, historical charge. So I just always pushed against that. And I felt like just there, that cannot have been the only way, you know, that there's gotta be other ways. And I can't remember exactly how, oh my God, I do remember. So I was reading this book called the red tent, which I don't know if you've heard of. It's just a novel and it's, it's, it's the characters are based on biblical characters. But at one point, um, the wives of Jacob had, these teraphim which are like little statues of of like their family or the god and goddesses that they worship and at some point they they you know the husband is like forbids them to have them and he smashes their statues and for whatever reason that i was like wow like little statues and i started researching just what are teraphim they're only mentioned in the bible but then i came across all of these um, like clay and bone and different statues, like the uh, that are like thousands of years old, like tens of thousands of years old, forty thousand years old, even of like f- goddess figurings. They're called the Venus statues. Um, and you know, archaeology is done through a masculine lens, so of course they're like, oh, they're fertility goddesses. But that led me down this path of like looking into our neolithic history which of course history they call that prehistory right <laughs> anything that didn't happen in patriarchal times is considered prehistory i i like to call that herstory her story because in neolithic times and what i so i've spent a, you know a lot of my energy and time researching our neolithic metro matriarchal or matrifocal history because we don't know if, it, if there was like a hierarchy. so matrifocal history. And there's some great books and this one of my favorite um, teachers, her name is Maria Gambudis, and she was an archaeologist and she's no longer alive. She died in the 90s, but she's you know spent her career doing digs in Europe. And I believe she's Lithuanian. And originally she started doing digs and her studies were on bronze age people. And at that time it was very rare for a woman archeologist to have her own dig. Like this is like the forties. And in any case, the further down she dug, the older civilization she found. And there's a civilization that she spent a lot of time studying, which is called the Vinca civilization. And all the archeological evidence, um, leads towards, uh, matrifocal lineage. So the, yeah, it's amazing. So, you know, woman focused communities where, um, you know it's hard to definitely know the history because we can't decipher the writing but there's one thing about clay that's so amazing as ceramics is that it lasts forever right so there's ceramics that are tens of thousands of years old and and cer- on these ceramic artifacts there's what looks like writing and this these same markings can be found from like the british isles into mesopotamia so it was like this uniform Um, language, maybe. And she even wrote a book called The Language of the Goddess based on all of her studies of all of this archaeological evidence. But in any case, just studying what is our lineage. And and, uh, at first, I was only studying this from kind of a scholarly perspective, just like the research that I could do in books and on the Internet and this and that. But the more connected I got to, um, like, the kind of work that we were doing in Soul Teacher is, you know, getting, coming to that really still place and then accessing our inner knowing, I was able to kind of dive into that work from a spiritual place and just a knowingness. And that's why I call it remembering, because I think that all women have, um, a connection to this lineage of, of matrifocal uh, history, which is pre-patriarchy, right? So at that time, for example, there was probably no marriage. And and you might not know who the father is of, of a child, but the child is raised by the community. And yeah, and even... In like there's a in the vinca culture, they have these like cities, but there's no walls around the cities, which is leaves one to believe that there was no need for fortification. There's also um, an ancient city in Turkey called Shatal Hayuk, which has like beautiful temples and all of these different archaeological evidence that predate Sumerian culture even. So, I mean, I don't know what you learned in history, but I learned like Sumeria was the original civilization. But, you know, archaeological evidence is proving that that's not the case. And pre-patriarchal culture, there was the matrifocal culture. So that's what I I kind of base um, all of the work I do on. And it's the divine feminine. And another thing that's very interesting is, you know, like looking at the state of women and the world. Right? Like, so these ancient cultures were much more earth focused, like connected to nature. We are part of nature. We're not separate from nature. But we're, we live in a culture, especially in the West, where we think of ourselves as separate from nature. But in ancient times, you know, you understood that you came from the earth and that you would go back into the earth. And it was this natural cycle. They found um, remains of people buried in the fetal position and sprinkled with red ochre. Um, yeah, so it's it, it, beautiful. I do love it.
1: Oh, I love it as well. Even when you say like these uh, these societies used to work with Earth and Mother Gaia and realize that we were, you know, one in the same and I just respect that so much and it's it's so funny because I recently just got connected with a memory that I completely forgot but as a kid I used to take all my friends to the creek and we used to like I used to tell them to put their wishes in the the like the mud and to like it was just so weird how I had this connection and I knew what to do and I've never even studied that no no one ever taught me that it was just like a soul remembrance so I do believe yes that every woman has um, a connection to these times. But it just makes me a little sad because it's something that has been so squashed through this like patriarchal society, right? Like that power of being a woman, you know, really getting back to those roots and, um, you know, finding out what it means to be a woman for yourself is there's a lot of wounds there, you know? So like <laughs> could we dive into that, you know, yeah. because I know that that's opened up a whole can of worms, worms for me. There is
0: a lot of wounds. I'm so many. I mean, I I think there's two kinds of wounding that we suffer as women that are predominant. There's the mother wound which we could have from our own mother or it's something that we carry kind of in our lineage, right? And then there's the witch wound, which, <laughs> which is, a little, I think, a little trickier to, to parse out. I think the witch wound is the wound of um, historically being squashed by the powers that be. So, like, think of the Inquisition in, in Europe. Um, some, you know, the numbers are controversial, but I've heard as many as 9 million women were burned at this day. And so these weren't obviously witches, but, um, the medicine women, the women who were herbalists, the, the, the caretakers of the community, um, any woman who did not, you know, acquiesce to basically the Catholic church at that time. So our knowledge in many ways has been completely erased. So, the only way that we can, you know, reaccess that information is through like spiritual practices and through psychic work, which I believe everyone is psychic. And it, you know, if I love the work that we did in soul teacher, we're really just learning the skills, right. And then having the validation to, because you feel like you're making it up, but then when you're reading the energy, okay, Maybe this is real. So I feel like we can access that information. And what I do with women when when I work with them is, first of all, I start with the premise that we're spiritual beings having a human experience, not human beings having a spiritual experience. So that we chose to come here to experience whatever is happening in this lifetime. But, you know, I do also think that we come here to heal Not just, you know, whatever wounds we're going to have from this lifetime or personally, but also the collective. So when you heal yourself, you have the ability to then extend that healing into the collective. And, you know, how you treat other women and how you think of other women, I mean, I... I remember when I was young, there there seemed like there was always this kind of competitiveness between women and kind of cattiness, which I hate that term, I have to say. But that is a learned uh, mode of behavior. It's not a natural mode of behavior. Women are are nurturing. I mean, look at like elephants, for example, which are, have not been, (laughs) you know, have not been manipulated by patriarchy and they take care, they all take care of each other's young and they stick together and they work in community. That's how women used to be. You know, we used to work in community, but we don't really live in communities anymore so much. We live in these little nuclear families. So we're not living in a tribal way, but we can recreate that. And, you know, one thing I think that the COVID pandemic has taught us is that we can even do that through the internet. You know, you can create your, your tribe and support one another and lift each other up. And I think that's like the retraining that we have to do.
1: Absolutely. I, when I first joined in on my first woman's circle, I cried. I was like, this is so, like, it was just something that my soul really, really wanted. And it just felt like it was a coming home almost just to be in that circle. And it was over the internet, but it's so powerful. Like you and IT, I, know that uh, this doesn't mean anything. Energy is energy and you can feel that, right? And I love that you mentioned that everyone is psycho- psychic. That's something that I always say. We are psychic, especially women. Like being a woman, you just – um I. Correct me if I'm wrong, but women are meant to be known to be more, like, empathetic and psychic than males. Is that true? Or is that just...
0: You know, I mean, that's my experience. I don't know if there's scientific evidence to back that up. But, you know, women are naturally more nurturing, right? I mean, men are more linear. So, you know, they go from A to B. Women are more circular. Like, you have an idea... And then you think about it and yes, you're going to do it, but then maybe not, you know, I mean, and, and, and that's a beautiful thing. Like it's this ability to flow, to flow in a nonlinear way. But I, as I do think that women are naturally more empathetic and naturally more nurturing. I mean, I think about it, like if women were in charge, would we really consider sending our children out to Get killed. I don't think we would, you know? No. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I really don't know the scientific evidence, but the anecdotal evidence I think speaks loud and clear.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what's crazy about that? When you were saying that, I was thinking about our experience in Soul Teacher where we were then told to like, we were taught how to use our psychic abilities, right? And it was new to a lot of us. We were like, whoa, what the hell? Like, we've never done this before. We've never read somebody before. How do you do this? And then you do it and you're like, whoa, like I can do this. And yet, like you get evidence time after time. Like you and I see clients now and we get evidence time after time, but it's still doesn't cease to amaze me. I'm still like, whoa, like we can do this. You know what I mean? And still, like it doesn't go through people's heads that this is a thing that like magic, in my opinion, like this is like my definition of magic. And I'm like, this is real. And, you know, like, for example, my, my partner sees me doing the work and I'm just like, can you not see this? Like how has how this not like woken you up?
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, the partners. Well, they just have to come along for the ride.
1: Uh, but you know what I mean like so many psychics like there there there's so many people doing this work and like going beyond the the definition of what's considered normal like we're literally breaking these standards of what's considered normal right and we're doing these things that are insane yet it's still like being demonized by patriarchal society I
0: think it is I mean it's so interesting like I was trying to explain what Nikki does and I like you know I wasn't sure if I could, should use the word psychic because it has such a negative connotation, right? So I, I really feel like we just have to own that and, and, you know, re-educate people. And I do feel like there is this opening. I do feel like there is a collective awakening happening. And so many people are, I mean, think of like, plant medicine and crystals and all these things that were like so fringe, even a few years ago are so mainstream now. Right. So I have a theory and my theory is that I do believe that the earth is a sentient being, you know, she's very ancient. um, And if you can get yourself into the right space, you can be in communion with her And I think like we've abused her so much and she's now just like pulling out all the stops. Like I'm going to give you plant medicine to connect with me. I'm going to make crystals readily available for everyone because you can connect with that energy, right? Like crystals are also living beings and history keepers. So, I mean, I, I do cacao ceremony in the circles that I, um, host often or tea ceremony, but cacao ceremony is so beautiful because it's very heart opening. It's a very gentle plant medicine. And I remember a few years ago when I was hosting a circle and they're like, Oh, I like that. Is that cultural appropriation? And, um, you know, so that's tricky. You obviously want to be so mindful to not, um, to not appropriate what's not yours authentically. But I, I had to, think about that and sit with that for a while. And what I, that's what I really came to is that, you know, the reason why it's so in like the public consciousness now is that the earth is bringing forth this medicine for us to learn from, and we can choose to, we can choose to learn or not, but I feel like a lot of people are choosing to learn.
1: Absolutely. You know, I actually love that you mentioned that because that's something that stops people from actually doing these practices that actually can help. Like the cacao, it's so powerful. So I love that you mentioned that. And um, what I mean by that is like, I love what you said about uh, um, you have to like give your thanks and absolutely give your thanks to the culture that brought forward the cacao and taught that to the community and definitely um definitely acknowledge that absolutely but then not being afraid to also connect with that and learn from that culture like there's so much that we can learn from from all these different cultures in time and I feel like that is also something that's being demonized in the community right And that's also keeping people from actually connecting further with these ancient medicines that we we have.
0: I, I agree. I think that we're really trained to look outside of ourselves for everything, especially in Western culture, like for happiness, for approval, for information, and when we learn and we are learning, I mean, think how like mainstream mindfulness meditation is now. Right. And what is that? That's basically learning to be the witness of your thoughts. And then by being the witness, you realize, okay, I am not those thoughts. I'm witnessing them. So who is the witness? And by all of these things that were at one time, so, you know, considered really strange and fringe are now just bursting forth into kind of the collective consciousness and being accepted. But I think where my position is that, you know, look inside, like, does that feel in integrity with you? And if it does move forward, proceed and be sovereign in your decision, you know, to have agency. Like I've made this choice. This is my truth. And maybe it's not your truth and that's okay. Um, we, don't, we don't have to agree, but can we understand, right? Do you have any advice on how women
1: can actually uh, step into their truth and be like, no, this feels right to me, and I'm going to do this for me?
0: Well, I think the first thing comes, um, the first step is to recognize that you want to grow and, and to pursue that. And the only way you can really do that is through being, not doing. You know, so stop doing and take a meditation class, take a breathwork class, find a way. Um, when I first took yoga, it's because I was reading this book, Creative Visualization, that had all these meditations, which I had no. I mean, this was 25 years ago. I had no idea how to meditate. And it said, oh, do yoga if you can't meditate. So I was like, oh, I'll do that. So start taking you know, first of all, setting the intention, right? So setting the intention and then opening yourselves to the synchronicities that are coming to you and, and also be actively looking. So meditation, look for like women's circles in your area, like, or online, who can you connect with? Try to find your people. And I think when you're on the beginning of a new path, it's important to not share that with everyone because some people that aren't going to be open to it are going to criticize. And then that is going to, that's going to hinder you from wanting to move forward. You're going to make you have even more doubt, right? So be careful with who you share your journey with and find your people and just keep moving forward. I think journaling was hugely transformational for me, like the morning pages from that book, the artist's way. Do you know that book? Oh my God everyone should do that read that book and do that 12 week course but you know writing for 3 pages every morning in a journal without fail just opens so many doors like you at first you have nothing to write about and then pretty soon just your inner world starts tumbling out onto the page so i think there's so many practices so powerful
1: I love that I love all the advice that you gave there uh so if we could go back to this topic I know that we've like gone all over the place but I just got so into the conversation that I just went with it but I want to bring it back to the uh the 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 sister wound right the ah, sister yeah. wound is a deep wound yeah and I feel as though like it's it's something that I'm working on now and it's something that I see come up a lot because in this like society that we've grown up with, we've been taught to like, even like, even with men, this is, this goes beyond like the sister wound, but fighting against like our friends and family to get to the top, right. To be like, you have to like, um y- you know, you have to just focus on yourself to get to the top. And something for me that's come through very strongly in my spiritual practices as of late is that, you know, you don't get there by, throwing other people down you get there by doing it together by building each other up like if you're at the top there's enough room for everyone to be there with you like you can have a society where everyone gets to live their most desired life right so I would love if you could like dive deeper into that because the sister wound is very deep and it's it's like, especially being in that soul teacher course that we were a part of, that was um, a massive trigger for me. I remember like being on the phone to my best friend. I think we were like a week or two in and I was like, oh, these women don't get me. (laughs) I was like, oh no, I don't fit in. I feel like I'm in high school again. It was a massive trigger and we were told it was going to be a trigger,
0: right? We were told. Wow. Yes, it's true. Well, I mean, I think it is 100% a reflection of the system of patriarchy, which by the way, is equally hard on men as it is on women. So it's this system of scarcity, right? Like there's not enough. I mean, that's how we like as, as a species have been moving through the world. Like we just have to take, 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 because there might not be enough. So get, get it while you can. And I think that how do we heal that? We, you have to just one step at a time, one day at a time when, when you find yourself having those feelings, you know, just acknowledging them and not, you know, not beating yourself up for having them. Right. But I'm feeling this way. And, you know, maybe even saying, thank you. Thank you to that wounded sister in there. Thank you for trying to protect me, but I have this now and I'm going to do it in a different way. You know, because I think that It is conditioning, but it's also a bit of a survival instinct based on our long collective history of the way we've been moving through the world. So, not don't beat yourself up, but acknowledge it and and just sit with it a little bit. Where does it come from? What's triggering you? You know, like what was triggering you for that? Who knows? Maybe it's an experience that you had in high school or experiences that you've had in the workplace. And I don't know if you have to identify where they come from, but I do think it is helpful to try to thread through the origin and, and then letting it go as best you can. I love to do all kinds of ceremonies around things like that. I really feel like ceremony is um, a lost art that is now coming back, but When I have women in circle together and first of all, creating a really strong container to hold all those women is important and laying out some ground, some groundwork around that. But if there's something that you feel like you need to release, I really like my favorite method is fire, you know, like writing it down. Like this is triggering me. I'm feeling this, this is not working for me, whatever, whatever it is, whatever language you want to use. And then I, I write it on tissue paper and I fold it up. And I I actually have a cauldron, but you could use anything a fireplace or some sort of fireproof bowl and burn it. And that act of, you know, there's a reason why, um, you know, people have been doing ceremonies for tens of thousands of years. It's because it's a powerful trigger for release or for drawing things in, really for creating magic.
1: Mm, I love that. And it's so simple. It's just going back to those simple uh, things that we can do like affirmations, like meditation, practicing mindfulness, and exactly right, working with the fact that we aren't fixed. This isn't like our forever. We don't have to go on like this. We can actually change if we want to change. And then if you you know go further with that, you look into the law of attraction and then you learn that your inner world reflects your outer world. And it's just like this beautiful cycle. And I guess um, a part of this spiritual journey, right? When you go on it. So thank you for sharing that with us. And yeah, I love everything that you said. And it's so, so, so true. And it all starts with that self-awareness. Um, So we've like spoken about women really feeling disempowered and, you know, some practices you can do to actually get back into your power. What do you think is the most powerful practice a woman can do to actually step into their femininity? And like, what's, what's your go-to? Well,
0: I, I think that there's, There's steps. So I do think controlling your mind is number one. So how you think about yourself. A lot of times we don't feel empowered because we don't feel good about ourselves. Like we don't think we look good enough or we're not smart enough or whatever. So retraining our brains is a huge component of that. And then also... I think self-care practices, doing things that feel really, you know, nurturing to you, like nurturing yourself, mothering yourself, loving yourself up, you know, a a lot of, and especially I think in my um, age circle, like there's a ton of mothers. And once you're a mother, you feel like you can't do anything for yourselves, that you should do everything for everyone else. And I do think that this is generally a feminine a female, um, affliction, like that we're, we're not, we have to nurture everyone else. So start by doing some nurturing things for yourself. Like, what do you love? Like what lights you on fire? What makes you so excited and do that?
1: How do you, do you have any advice on, uh, for females on how they can actually, uh, start to, I guess, live in alignment like that, like to live by what they want to do or even, um, I guess, to better word my question, do you have any advice on women like actually stepping into flow and rest and nourishment? Because I think like throughout our lives, and this is something that, you know, we learn through patriarchal society once again, (laughs) is that we, um, we have to work really hard. Right, we can't live in flow, and I think like that's something that the spiritual community is now starting to like restructure and reframe. You know, there are so many successful women out there now, or successful people who aren't working like a dog to like get to the top. Right, they they're they're working in flow, they're working with their cycles, and they're they're allowing themselves to actually feel. And I think that that's obviously what we're stepping into if we're looking like astrologically and all of, you know, the new age that we're stepping into are really, really trying to heal this like deep feminine wound. So, uh, do you have any advice on how to step into flow?
0: Well, you know, my biggest advice is to stop, like just to stop, slow down because I mean, a lot of women that I work with cannot stop moving even, you know, but this, striving. You don't have to strive so hard. And I I actually think striving is counterproductive. At least I anecdotally for myself, when I strive really hard, I don't achieve the goals that I set out to achieve. But when I slow down and allow myself to flow into that, everything just comes more easily. I think it starts with the intention. You know, what is it that you intend your life to be? What and you have to know, I mean, I when I first started working with women was shocked that most people that I worked with did not know what their perfect life looked like. They didn't have any idea. What would that look like? What would that feel like? There are just, there's no time set aside to, to dream and to imagine. So I guess my first, my, I guess if I was going to give advice, I would say allow yourself to dream and dream really big, and just give yourself permission to think what would my perfect, most beautiful life look like, mm-hmm. and then start aiming in that direction. And That's that-
1: another thing, isn't it? I love that you said that because so many women like keep themselves small, and you know, you could be like, "Oh, I just want this." And you really, really limit yourself from your desires and how big you want to go. So, yeah, having permission and giving yourself permission to dream as big as you want to dream. So
0: I love that you yeah, mentioned that. Yeah, no limitations. Like if money was no object, time was no object, location was no object, what would your, you know, perfect ideal life look like? And so from there, you can glean a lot of, uh, a a lot of doors that could open a lot of paths to take and so i think you first you have to have the vision you have to have clarity once you have clarity then you can work in that direction right you can align your thinking with that what are the what are your habits are your habits in alignment with with the life that you want to live and that includes how you feel so what 100 percent doesn't work is just doing what you're doing now you know If you want change, but you're not changing any of your daily actions, then nothing's going to change.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's something that I often get uh, approached with. They're like, I'm struggling with this. And it's like, okay, well, do you know about these practices? And it's like, yeah, I do. But have you implemented them? And that's how simple it is. Like all of the advice that you give, uh, you've given us on this um, episode, and even just throughout the podcast, they're simple things, right? And the struggle, the hard step is actually implementing them, putting them into practice. But um, once you do like these simple modalities can be completely life-changing as you've just explained like affirmations have the ability to completely transform your life and all it all it takes is just like actually taking the action steps to putting these things into place so thank you so much for this conversation and um just Yeah, it was so. I just learned so, so, so much about the feminine wound, and yeah, I I love this. I'm so excited to bring this to the listeners. So, where could the listeners actually find you if they wanted to work with you? You host women's circles. Do you do it online as well? Because I know you're a
0: person. I host uh, women's circles in person and online, and I host retreats. I'm hosting a retreat in January in Tulum, Mexico. Oh my God, Um, I want to (laughs) come. It's going to be really magical. Um, And I do a lot of coaching work. And now after Soul Teacher, I'm incorporating some clarity reading into my coaching practice. So you can find me at ArtOfSacredLiving.com or ArtOfSacredLiving underscore on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well,
1: perfect place to actually find community, right, and connect with other women in ritual and ceremony. Like I said, it's like such an emotional experience to connect to your soul tribe in this way and even just to connect to other women in this way. It really does feel like a coming home and like a just uh, coming back to truth. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to join some of these circles. I thought you only did them online, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, not I, online in per, um, in person. Sorry. Oh,
0: yes, I prefer in person, but um, I do think online is a powerful um, platform as well, especially for people like me who are in Australia who can't That's get there. right. <laughs> makes it more global
1: exactly right thank you so much again tia i learned so much you're so welcome i hope you have a lovely rest of your day and thank you again I'll, i'll speak to you soon
0: okay take care thank you
1: if you enjoyed today's episode and you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast in itunes it would mean the world to me also if you are wanting to connect with me on a more intimate platform you can find me on instagram at closeted soul i would love to hear from you Finally, you can learn a little bit more about me and this space just by visiting my website at
0: www.closetedsoul.com.